Welcome to the Friends of Israel Today. I'm Steve Conover, and with me is our host and teacher, Chris Katolka. On this episode, we are happy to welcome back to the program Tom Simcox, Friends of Israel Church Ministries representative. He's here to discuss his recent article that appeared in our magazine, Israel My Glory. Yeah, I always love Israel My Glory in-depth episodes. We look at our most recent issue of Israel My Glory, our award-winning magazine uh, that goes to Christians all around the world who love and support Israel and the Jewish people. This issue is all about Elisha, and Tom's going to come in and share about his very important article that talks about the prophet Elisha. Uh, a God's miracle man in the days of the divided kingdom of the land of Israel. But first in the news, with fears surrounding coronavirus in Israel, Prime Minister Netanyahu announced a $2.8 billion package to help their economy through this crisis. Netanyahu said the aid is intended to stabilize the financial system after Israel imposed a 14-day self-quarantine on anyone coming into the land. Netanyahu is quoted as saying, this is a challenge we believe we can manage. Yeah, here's my take. Israel's going to need this money. As we reported last week, Israel's lead economist believes the country is going to lose a billion dollars every month due to this policy. Even El Al, Israel's airline, is canceling most of their flights and has laid off nearly 80% of their workforce. No matter how you feel about coronavirus, it's going to have a profound effect on Israel's economy. Be praying for them. I am excited to have a colleague and a dear friend, Tom Simcox, who is our church ministries representative in the Northeast with the Friends of Israel. Tom's been with the organization for many decades, ministering uh, to churches all around the country uh, and conferences, ministering in the Jewish community. And I'm excited to have Tom in to talk with us about our most recent issue of Israel, My Glory, which is Miracle Man, the prophet Elisha. Tom Great to have you in the studio, my friend. Chris, it's always a pleasure to not only be with you, but to be with our listeners and, and to, to just be able to talk about probably one of my most favorite subjects, which is A, the Word of God, and B, I love this man. I love Elisha. Elisha is such an interesting character in the Old Testament, and I think often overlooked. He is. I think sometimes he, he kind of is in the shadow of his mentor. Yes, he is. I think people talk about Elijah, and we know we're supposed to look for Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord, so everybody talks about Elijah, but I think Elisha kind of just kind of gets swept under the rug, and he's just kind of lumped together with with the prophets. And he performed uh, twice as many miracles as Elijah did, too, which is often overlooked as well. Yes, he did. I mean, from, you know, something as mundane as the axe head that floated to the, the feeding that's right. To to the resurrection of the Shunammite's uh, son. That's right. Uh, I mean, yes, he did some amazing, amazing uh, exploits. And we were talking before the broadcast, and I, I see that there's there's a little parallel there between what he did and the way he did it in comparison with what Jesus would do when he came here. Jesus, the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000, the idea of multiplying food, which is what Elisha did, yep. and providing for uh, for those in that were that were hungry and providing enough for them, uh, the idea of resurrection, even the idea of 
the dead coming back to life, even after, you know, when Elisha dies, that one moment at the very end of his life, there his bones are in the grave. Yep. A dead man is put into that same tomb. He touches the bones of Elisha, comes back to life. Yep. I think there's direct connection there with what Elisha was doing and what Jesus had come to do as well. There is. I agree. And I also like the fact that, you know, where was he ministering? He was ministering in the northern kingdom. The northern kingdom was very, very, I mean, none of their rulers believed in God, no matter what happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were totally contrary to God. And yet God blessed them and God gave that northern kingdom some tremendous opportunity to see the power of God at work in their midst. And we know that there was a remnant. We know that. That's right. From Elijah. We know there was a remnant. So he continued to bless and to encourage that godly remnant by sending prophets to them that did some amazing Amazing exploit. And one more thing, not to keep going with this, because we have a lot to talk about in little time, but even the idea of Elisha reaching out to uh, Naaman, who wasn't Jewish at all, heals him, the Jordan River, that whole image of his leprosy being cleansed. Uh, you see Jesus reaching out to the Syrophoenician woman. There is that element of even reaching out to the non-Jew that is seen in Elisha that gets transferred into Jesus' story as well. I agree. I love that one. I was reading these uh, two uh, scholars were talking about Elisha, and they were saying that he is a patriot. And, and what, uh, what they meant by that was that in his role as a prophet, he helped Israelite soldiers and kings, and even those kings who didn't honor the Lord. And that's where your article picks up, Tom. Elisha was helping an Israelite king, Yoram, in Second Kings 6. What's the story behind this moment? Well, from what we can gather historically, there seem to be times of peace and then times of struggle between uh, Yoram and and the, the king of Aram, the Arameans. Uh, probably their king was Ben-Hadad. Uh, there were times where they were getting along fine, and there were times when, when they were not. And this was clearly a time where they were not. Uh, we see in the text, it kind of jumps in that uh, Ben-Hadad wants to make a move on, on Yoram. Uh, and what's happening is you don't see it necessarily. We see it from the text, but he didn't. Anything that he thought was being directly conveyed to Elisha by the Lord. And if he was going to make a movie, he said, well, we're going to set up here or here. And it says right in the text, we're going to move so-and-so. We're going to move so-and-so place. The prophet knew. And he actually thinks, okay, who in my court is for the king of Israel, that, that, that he knows everything that I'm doing before I do it because Elisha then warned the king. And it's interesting, the king did not believe in God. Yes. But he took the intelligence that he got from the prophet who got it directly from God, acted on it, and found it to be entirely 100% accurate. So this is fascinating. So Elisha is working with the king, uh, Yoram, and God is giving Elisha instructions. Listen, the king of the Arameans are moving people here, here, and here. So detailed that even the king of the Arameans at that time thought, there's a traitor in our midst here. And here it's Elisha ministering to this Yoram who didn't technically follow after God at all. That is correct. And yet I find it interesting that these kings listened to the prophet when they needed it while they're probably praying to some other God somewhere, but they're getting all of their true direction and true leadership through a prophet who was 100% accurate 100% of the time, which was required. Do you think it shows uh, that that God is, remains faithful to his people, even in the, in the middle of the disobedience? Absolutely. Chris, God's love for Israel is so evident as you read these pages, 
within the Northern Kingdom. He, he tried so many times, even with uh, probably one of the most godless kings. I know we're getting off a little bit, but when you think of Ahab, and he said, see how Ahab has humbled himself before me. I'm not going to bring upon him the judgment. God, he ultimately was judged, but God had, had planned on putting him away, and he said, I'm going to save this for later, which actually happened later, because this godless, probably the most evil king, humbled himself before the Lord. I, I find that so amazing when you think about God's amazing grace and his love, even for us. Yeah, that God would use a testimony. This is what Elisha stood as a testimony. He was really the leader of the prophets at that time. Uh, and I know with Elijah, the prophets kind of had a bad name, you know, with well, among Ahab. Uh, you know, Ahab called Elijah a troubler. I'm sure Elisha was also in the same vein as that with this king. You know, they didn't look at the prophets that were the prophets of Yahweh as ones that were, you know, stood out. But clearly, this is a testimony and a marker to Yoram. Wow, God is at work. We're going to trust in the God of Yahweh. They listened to Elisha and they followed him. That's a way of God showing that he wants to preserve and protect his people, I believe. I agree. Now, we're going to transfer here because this goes from just kind of a, a battle, uh, you know, where, where Elisha is helping with the strategy between a war going on between the Arameans and the northern 10 tribes of Israel, the Israelites. Uh, this moves from a battle into more of the spiritual realm, if you will. It does. Um, what we find in the text is that uh, as, as this king of Aram, Ben-Hadad probably, uh, as he's questioning, he thinks there's a spy. And, and literally there are people within his midst that I, I was very intrigued by this as I reread it for the article. Okay, no, it's not us, but there's a prophet yeah. <laughs> who, who he knows every thought that you think on your bed. <laughs> he knows every word in your head before. They don't know God, but they know this prophet knows. And uh, when Ben-Hadad hears about him, he says, well, where is he? Yeah, we got to find him. Right. And I think he kind of wants to take him out. Now, we don't know whether he was going to harm him or whether he was going to capture him or whether he was going to try to turn him. But we know that he, he moves into where Elisha is, which is the town of Dotham, which is about 12 miles, I believe, uh, north of Samaria. Yeah, we're not talking about the Dotham in Alabama. We're talking about the, the Dotham in the northern 10 tribes of Israel. Correct. And, and they come in at night, and then in the morning, they have totally surrounded. And wow. Then, then the fat hits the fire, as we could say. Now, listen, uh, we're going to take a break here, Tom, because I think this is a perfect point for us to transition from the strategic way that uh, God is using Elisha in this moment. Uh, he's surrounded. The enemies are surrounding him. A point in anybody's life where they might go, uh, we're outnumbered, we're overtaken. Elisha has a different spirit, though. Elisha has a different way of looking at things. And so when we come back in a moment, we're going to continue our conversation and we're going to look at how Elisha challenges our lives to see what's going on in the unseen realm, the battles that are happening uh, behind the curtain that we can't see that God is waging on our behalf. You won't want to miss it. Be sure to stick around. And if you are not a subscriber to our magazine, Israel My Glory, I want to encourage you to go to our website, foiradio.org. There you can get a one-year free subscription of our award-winning magazine, Israel My Glory. You'll even get this most up-to-date issue of Miracle Man, the prophet Elisha. Be sure to stick around.
You know, at the Friends of Israel, we're, we're not shutting down during this time here uh, as, as we're all dealing with the coronavirus. We're, we're actually pushing forward with ministry. This is an opportune time for Friends of Israel to continue to minister to our Jewish friends, especially our elderly Jewish friends. I know uh, of some of our workers on the field that I have a great uh, privilege of leading um, they are already active in connecting with the Jewish community as Christians, connecting with the Jewish community, reaching out and even providing food, groceries and prayer for them. So we want you to know here at the Friends of Israel, we're not shutting down. We are advancing the gospel. We're advancing the ministry of the Friends of Israel. And we would love for you to continue to participate in what we're doing by simply going to foiradio.org. You can give to help continue to minister to our Jewish friends even now during this time of crisis. So again, that's foiradio.org, foiradio.org. You can give to help continue and advance the work of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. Welcome back, everybody. We have Tom Simcox, church ministries representative, really all over the country. He's supposed to be in the Northeast, but he's so popular. He speaks on conferences and churches about Israel and the Jewish people all over the country. If you're ever interested in having Tom Simcox come speak at your church, please contact us. Tom is a great resource uh, uh, for learning about what God is doing through Israel and the Jewish people. Uh, so we're continuing our conversation uh, about Elisha. We, we, we left off 2 Kings chapter 6. The Israelite kingdom, the northern 10 tribes, are essentially in a, in, in a battle with uh, the Arameans north of, uh, to them. And really, the king of Aram is sitting there going, how does the king of Israel know all of my strategy? And the king's of Aram looks and goes, uh, all of his uh, generals and people around him go, oh, well, it's this prophet Elisha. He's the one with the information. And so now we leave off with the story of the king of Aram's people surrounding the, the tents of, of Elisha. But before we get to that, Tom, can you tell us about the spirit of who Elisha is, his name? I think this helps define a lot about what we're going to learn from him in a moment. Elisha's name and biblical names were always very significant. They weren't just given a name like my mom liked the name Tom, so I became Thomas. Uh, names meant something, and they identified and kind of marked out the kind of person that we were uh, we were looking at here. And Elisha's name literally means "My God is salvation." What an amazing name at an amazing time in a really fantastic place to be. Here he is in the midst of the northern kingdom, these, these godless rulers, and, and he's got a name that's proclaiming, my God is salvation. I, I absolutely love it. He had been a student of Elijah's. And if you remember, uh, I'm sure we've, we've talked with the radio listeners before about Elijah. Elijah not only instructed him, but as Elijah was getting ready to, to, to graduate home through a chariot of fire, Elisha asked this amazing question. He asked for a double portion of his, of his spirit. And he got that. He did. And that was really, you know, that was the son asking his dad for the double blessing that normally would have come to him. And so he's like saying, look, you've been my spiritual dad, and I'd like to have the double portion that would normally come as your firstborn. Mm -hmm. 
which I always found a really incredible. I'd also like to add too, Elisha is the one that God chose. Correct. It wasn't Elijah that saw Elisha and goes, I see something in this guy. It was actually God who called Elisha and encouraged Elijah. It's hard to get those two together to, to take him under his wing. That's correct. Yeah. And, and when God chooses, you know, he, he does an amazing job. Elijah said, I'll give you the, the double blessing, but you have to be with me when, when basically I depart, when however the Lord calls me home. And Elisha was, he picked up that mantle, not only the mantle, then the physical mantle that had fallen from his mentor when he was, was brought to heaven in the, in the chariot of fire, but he also picked up the mantle of his ministry and, and, and uh, responsibility of, of representing the, the prophets and also the most high God. Uh, to that that godless area. I would like to say this, though. We're moving into the story now where it converts a little bit. We have a transition here. So, you know, it goes from this story of of uh, strategy in war to all of a sudden a deeper picture because Elisha is surrounded by uh, the king uh, Aram and his people, he's surrounded. He's about to be taken out, it looks like it. And his Elisha's associates are worried. And Elisha says this to God, which I think is absolutely an amazing quote. He says, Lord, open his eyes to uh, so that he can see. What is Elisha saying there about his people, about his his associate? Obviously, when the associate comes out and, and there's speculation, I don't believe this is Gehazi. I believe Gehazi has already been passed from the scene because of the whole leprosy deal. Um, That's right. But he's got another servant and the servant comes out in the morning. I, I kind of picture the guy coming out, pick up the newspaper, grab the bottle of milk, you know, in those days. And all of a sudden he looks <laughs> and he sees the enemy totally surrounding. He runs back in and he's afraid. Yeah. Here, this prophet of the Lord, whose name is my God is salvation. He's not worried. He is not worried in the least. Obviously, God had had alerted him or he was so close to the Lord that he sensed the divine protection. That's right. So he then says, Lord, open his eyes. Let him see what I know you've shown me. And he opens up his eyes and and the entire area is surrounded literally by these, these flaming chariots. Uh, which totally outnumber the enemy, probably two, three to one. Mm-hmm. Uh, these chariots are clearly angelic beings. But number two, I think the flame, could, could we say the flame maybe reminds us of the holiness of God, the yes. purification, Isaiah 6, the, the flame, yes. but also maybe the Shekinah glory. God's physical manifestation of his presence among his people was, was right there. I mean, they were there just the same as they had, he had been with them Back when they were in the Exodus. A cloud by day, a by fire night. by yep. night. Yep. So here he just sees that, that this town of Dothan, which is surrounded by enemies, the enemies are then surrounded by the forces of the Most High God. That's right. And what does God do to them? Well, obviously God just takes them out. I mean, literally he blinds them. And, and by the time it's all over, Elijah <laughs> escorts the king right into Ben Hadad is brought right into Samaria. He, he can't see him. Here, follow me, follow me. And, and he just leads them right in. Oh, That's by the right. way, open his eyes. And, and he's like totally surrounded in the court of the king, Yoram, in Samaria. 
This is one of my favorite accounts. And, and I, I know we use the word story and I don't mean to, to, to belabor it, but I, these, are, these are real accounts. To me, a story is like once upon a time they lived happily ever after the end. Yeah. This is real. It's a historical account. It is. And these accounts just, they give me goosebumps because the same God, Chris, that protected the Jewish people, that protected Elisha, that had those chariots of fire, we have no idea that they could be around us today. That's right. We don't see them. We don't maybe discern them. But we're reminded of this. I know you have been talking with your listeners recently about uh, uh, Ephesians 6 and the spiritual warfare we're in. The take home from this for me is the God who protected Israel, who never sleeps nor slumbers. Mm-hmm. He's the God that protects us. And that's why in, in, the, in the, the, the book of Ephesians, the apostle Paul reminds us, put on the whole armor of God. And I love the fact that he, he doesn't tell us to advance, and this isn't a football game. I want you to, to, to put on the armor, grab the ball and advance and move deep into the enemy territory. He says, no, having done all, to stand. That's right. It's defense. <laughs> yes. And look, who's moving? Who's doing all the advancing? That's God's job. That's right. Our job is to stand, go back to, to Exodus and see the salvation of the Lord. That's right. And this is really important because what I think we see back in 2 Kings, you know, we don't just have to go to Ephesians chapter 6. What we see happening in 2 Kings chapter 6 is this uh, image that God is at work in the unseen. Yes. And, and we can't always just look at our physical surroundings as Christians and go, this whole thing is falling apart. God help us. You know, we all wish we had an Elisha with us to, to peel back the curtain so that we could see God at work fighting on our behalf. That's what God is doing for us. He fights on our behalf. I actually think that's the whole story of the Bible is that God has been fighting for us from the very beginning. I would agree. I'm reminded again, as you shared that, remember the prophet Daniel. And remember Daniel had a vision. I believe it's in Daniel chapter 10. And it took 21 days for the Lord to answer his prayer. He had this vision. He, he, he didn't understand it. He prayed. And, and it took 21 days, three weeks for the answer to come. And we find out that Gabriel, who was dispatched, was withheld for those 21 days in that spiritual realm Yes, by, by demons or a demonic forces. And finally, then Michael, the archangel, another name. There's only three named angels, and they all have direct relation to Israel. Michael's the archangel. Gabriel's the clear messenger. And then Lucifer is the enemy of Israel. All the rest are not named to us. But it took Michael to come and help Gabriel get through because he said, the moment you prayed and sought an answer, I was dispatched, but I was withheld. But now I've come to let you know what's going to happen in the That's last right. days. The realm of, of the spiritual world, there's a lot of wrestling. And we as believers need to be aware of that. We don't wrestle against this flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in high places. And that's why I want to encourage you to get our recent issue of Israel, my glory, miracle man, the prophet Elisha. If you want an in-depth look at the prophet Elisha, what he's doing, not only in the old Testament, but how it applies to your life as well. I want to encourage you to go to foiradio.org. That's FOI as in friends of Israel, foiradio.org. And there you can sign up and get a one year free subscription, six issues of our award-winning magazine, Israel, my glory. Tom, thank you so much for coming in, bringing insights about Elisha and what he means to us as believers today. My pleasure, Chris. Thank you for being with us today. Chris, next week, we begin a new series on how to read our Bibles. What can you tell us? Yeah, we're going to be looking at three aspects. We're going to be starting a series, how to read your Bible, three aspects of it, geography, 
context and culture. Next week, we're actually going to start our geography section. Knowing your Bible's geography is going to help open your mind as to what was going on in the Bible, where people were living, the stories that were surrounding each of those locations. They matter. They're not just fairy tales. These are real locations. So I hope that you join us next week. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Today's program was produced by Tom Galeone, co-written by Sarah Fern, Mike Kellogg, Red Apples of Gold. Our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide evangelical ministry proclaiming biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while bringing physical and spiritual comfort to the Jewish people.